Hello, hello, and welcome to another segment of The Couch Coach. Doing another podcast today, and man, am I excited for this one, because this is the one I've been hyping up for a long time. It's the one on UFC. It's the one with my boy, Dan O'Neill, the MMA UFC expert. He's coming in to talk about all things that happened recently in the MMA, some some possible things that are going to happen in the future. We're going to speculate, we're going to evaluate, we're going to do all that more, really. So I'm super excited. We're going to talk about the Adesanya fight. We're going to talk about the Dominic Reyes fight and maybe something else from that card. We're also going to discuss UFC 254 and we might we're gonna dabble. We're going to put our toes in the water when it comes to Conor McGregor. We're going to discuss that. So uh, hope you're ready for a good one. So today, I am joined by a very special guest, a guest that I have been, I've been hyping this up for a little while. I would say since like two or three weeks ago, I've been talking about doing this podcast. I am joined by UFC MMA expert analyst, Dan O'Neill. Dan, welcome for the first time to the couch. All right, all right. At least I'm not a casting couch. If only, if, only, if only my camera was on, Mike, that you could just see my blushing right now after all that praise, Connor. Oh, yeah. Thank listen, you. It means a lot. Listen, I have been. I, I, I keep saying it at the end of the show. I'm like, listen, stay tuned for a post-Adesanya fight because we're going to have Dan O'Neill on here. I, I keep talking about it. So hopefully yep. you live up to the expectation. I, I don't know if you will, but I hope so. Well, I've been letting my parents down for about 20 years, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I believe, well, I believe in you, Dan. I believe in you. All right. Right, right, right. All right so, so obviously, huge fight this past weekend. Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Mm. Dan, we, we talked about this fight a lot leading up to it, and we, yep. we were talking during it, and we were just talking before this. So tell, tell me, what are, your, what are your immediate takeaways? What did you think overall about that fight? Just tell me what you think. Give me your analysis. Okay, so Israel Adesanya, uh, number one, uh, never disrespect him again. Uh, I mean, he's such a – he just so, – yeah. You know, I know everyone always likes to throw that around after some kind of flashy performance, you know, whether it be in a basketball game, you know, guy drops 40 points or a football game, you know, QB throws like four touchdowns that they say, oh, this guy is special. This guy's the one. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Israel Asaya is special. Okay. I, he is, he is the best striker that we have seen in the ultimate fighting championship since Anderson Silva. Uh, I mean, I remember that a couple of years ago when Anderson Silva fought Israel Asaya, and people thought that was kind of like a loosely tied together, you know, main event to fill in, uh, mm-hmm. to fill in. But that passing of the torch when they both bowed to each other at the end of the fight symbolized like the passing of the torch. Like Israel is going to become the next big thing, like the next amazing striker, the next highlight reel kind of character. Yeah, I and- mean. He, he he is you know he is yeah no go ahead continue what you're saying I just want yeah. to say yeah you know he is so with with his striking you know I remember seeing it with Anderson Silva that it's just this guy who was able to like enter this kind of like this like literally the matrix like he makes it look like like his opponents are going full speed but he's acting like they're going at like you know point like two five. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just see everything coming from a mile away and just time all of his punches. You notice that Israel doesn't have knockout power per se. doesn't have this, you know, massive explosive punch like some of the other guys in the division, like Jared Cannonier, uh, Yoel Romero, others. But 
precision beats power. When you can hit a guy on the button in the right spot with a good technique punch, you're going to send him to the floor. I, I mean, we saw this on Saturday. Israel Adesaya was getting blitzed by Paulo Costa, this Brazilian Hercules, you know, getting backed into a corner. This man literally had like King Lear in his right hand and his mm. left hand out and was like saying – and was just quoting like how th- like how thank- how sharp – is a serpent's tooth for a thankless child while like check hooking this Brazilian man to oblivion. (laughs) I mean, it's insane. And like with so much composure, like never freaking out, always feeling like he's in control and just playing with him the entire time. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. No, that one thing, like you mentioned, it was the precision to me. Mm. That's what's so special about Israel Adesanya. I think the, when I always think about his fighting style and the way that he throws his punches, I like to think of him as almost like a sniper just because he has so much range and he's on the button every time, you know, compared to someone, like you said, Paolo Costa might blitz a guy Mm -hmm. and have that power more like, think of him more as like a shotgun, get up in your face and beat the shit out of you. Israel Asani is the opposite. He likes to stay range. He likes to hit you where it counts. And to me, to me, watching him throw his punches is almost like, did you ever play those games at the boardwalk, like Jurassic Park, and you sit in a thing and you're holding a gun and you got to like shoot the dinosaurs and stuff like that? Or like, <laughs> yeah. right, right. And when, when the T-Rex comes to bite you, there will be like different points on him or on his mouth that like light up with a circle that you have to hit yep. to, to break up. That to me is like what I imagine is happening in in Israel Adesanya's mind every time he throws I think a that's punch. A perf- that's a perfect like analogy, right? No, that's that's really what I imagine. Like I imagine him when it comes in slow motion. He sees the guy come in slow motion, bang, counters off of that, does something, gets out of the way, and makes literally like every shot count. It's ridiculous, yep. and how, you don't see anyone who can throw a punch like that in the UFC. Exactly. How Izzy finds these weak points is such a great thing. So. Uh, Izzy is very much so a tricky fighter. Uh, Something I love to watch is his ability to set feints and to fake. You notice it when you're watching the fight. You see him, you know, sometimes turn the hip, make it look like he's about to go for a round kick, doesn't throw anything. Keep throwing the jab out to make them think like, oh, something's about to come up. Uh, And I love it because he just feels out his opponent's reaction. He thinks, okay, are they going to jump to this? And then next question is, you know, how far are they going to jump to this? Are they going to really bite on it? Are they going to do these other things? And you just see that he just starts setting it up and setting it up until eventually in the second round, he full, like he figured, like he figured out Paulo Costa, like green eggs and ham. Like, you know, he, like he read, he just read through this thing, brought the spark notes. Second round is like, all right, like now I know everything about this guy. And you just start teeing off him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's amazing how he just diagnoses this so quickly through these fakes, these setups, these little jabs, you know, these fake jabs, all these kind of things people like people need to understand is that when you're, when you're fighting uh, you, when you're throwing combos and stuff like that, you purposely aren't hitting some of your shots because you're trying to set up one or two, the ones that count. And Israel has a perfect concept of this. Yeah, no, that that's actually a great point. And there's, there's two things about his game too, that I noticed the other night. Uh, and I saw you, you kind of saw in the, in the Yorel Romero one, um, to, a, to a degree is the same as one of the things is his leg kicks. You saw yeah. that in this fight, you saw it at the, the Romero fight, the way that he sets it up at the beginning, he let, he likes to get you off balance legs to hurt your legs. So you can't put yep. as much pressure on that, which is a fantastic tactic. And some people will say it's boring for sure. Um, yep. especially in the, in the case of the Romero fight, um, which yeah. we could talk about too. And you know, yeah. what people thought well, after that, cause I, I know I was one of those people as well. 
after I watched that fight, I did have some doubts because I thought Adesanya looked scared in that fight in the Romero fight. Yeah, totally. You yeah, know what I mean? Totally, he yeah. was sitting back. He was sitting back, and he wanted Romero to commit and try to do something. Uh, and he didn't want to commit because he knew that Romero was going to try to take him down or or try to punish him. Um, and it was just a standstill. They were just standing around the whole time. So that made me a little a little nervous. But this time, yeah, totally. I've been completely. My mind's been completely changed about Adesanya. He's an absolute yeah, totally. Beast. It's it, it, it's completely recency bias. You know what I mean? Because again, Israel had such a meteoric rise. I mean, he he chal- Even though he has a very decorated kickboxing career, I mean, he has uh, seventy. I believe it's like seventy two wins, five losses. Mm. Uh, fantastic kickboxer. Right. Um. He had a meteoric rise in the UFC. He became a champion, well, fought for championship within a year, right? Mm-hmm. And again, we don't have all this tape. We don't, uh, per, you know, per se, have seen him in all these kinds of fights. So when he fought, you know, Yoel Romero, the way that he did, recency bias kicks in and people are like, okay, well, you know, we haven't seen him fight everybody in the division. Right. So, like, maybe this guy might be the one and stuff right. like that. Now, People blame Israel for running away and the boring fight and stuff like that. And I I do think some of the memes are funny. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's so stupid to say, oh, yeah, uh, you know, he made it boring because he was fight. You know, he didn't want to fight the other way, the the way the other guy wanted him to fight. I mean, you watch any Yoel Romero. I mean, it it was a very hyped up event. Do not get me wrong. Yoel Romero. Yo, Romero, it's weird. I've never seen a guy who is so like he's such a sweet guy, but also so unintentionally scary at the <laughs> yeah. same time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, again, Yo Romero is this ex- explosive counter puncher, right? He doesn't throw a lot of output. Usually, has his high guard up and stuff like that, and he conserves for these very explosive moments. I mean, you see when he knocked out like Chris Weidman. Luke Rockhold, all that stuff. Um, you know, again, he just waits and mm-hmm. waits. He's never mm-hmm. really a guy for output or to be offensive. And again, like it's like, why would Izzy try like, you know, try to get in this guy's range and stuff like that and play to his game? You know, it was a it was a very smart idea to keep kicking the legs and to just you know keep sniping him from afar. Yeah, no, yeah, no, one hundred percent. I think that was a, it was a good tactic. It just was one that wasn't interesting to watch. And I, I think yeah. for people like I said, like me as well, I got them. Yeah, totally. I, I got the idea that you know maybe he he didn't he wasn't about it. He didn't want to fight. Um, yeah, but totally. obviously that's not true. And it's just it's just tactic though. It's just smart. It's just patience. Yeah. And yeah, I totally exa- get it because exactly. he kind of he did kind of play similarly. I think. Um, in this fight, I think he, I think yeah. he had a, a similar approach where he kind of, he kind of was patient, took his time yeah. to delay kicks. And then went, once Paolo started committing yeah. and Adesanya picked up on what he was doing, then it was like game over. And he hit that like leg kick yeah, and stuff t- like that. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. With, I, I don't know what kind of milk they have in Oceania in the, in, or in the land down under, but I mean, those city kickboxing guys with those leg kicks, throwing full power into guys, and sometimes shin on shin, and just not even budging. Right. It's insane. I, I mean, Israel Anasaya, uh, it, it's interesting that the city kickboxing guys, you know, you see in Israel Anasaya, Dan Hooker, Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, they love setting stuff up, stuff up off of the leg kick and mm-hmm. i swear it's like fighting israel Adesaya has to be like solving like uh some kind of like ancient chinese riddle <laughs> like 
you know, it, it, it's like, okay, he, it's like, okay, he leg kicks you from afar. So Paulo's like, okay, I'm going to go blitz in on him so that he doesn't have the full range of motion to kick me. Then gets check hooked and then sees that Israel's in the corner. He's like, oh, here we go. I finally got him. But then Izzy just completely is able to like use his excellent footwork to just get out of the corner. And Paulo just like, well, shit. Right. And no. then uh, Paul is like, okay, I'm just going to sit afar and then just, you know, try to like work some stuff out. And then Izzy just keeps leg kicking him and leg kicking him, which again, it, it creates this urgency because leg kicks themselves. Okay. So leg kicks uh, rarely will it ever stop a fight, like something like a punch will to the head, but leg kicks are this kind of like war of attrition. It adds over time because again, your legs are some of the most important are you know, one of the most important things to your body, you know, it allows you to move around. It allows you to uh, throw punches, to use your footwork and stuff like that, you know, to get the power in them. And by doing these leg kicks, it's like attrition because, you know, the more and more that you let these go on and let them just accumulate this damage, you become less mobile. You can't throw your punch as well. And sometimes your leg just gives out on you. Like, it's not even like a toughness kind of thing. Your leg, I mean, will just give out on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's a really great tactic to have, especially the way that Adesanya uses it. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't use it, uh, I would say, all the time throughout the fight, but he yeah. hits that thing early and quick yep. and constant. And it's so impressive. And something else that stood out to me so much in that fight too was just his speed. Like his speed is oh, yeah. actually something I, I – it's actually unfathomable. There was one time he went for a head kick and Paolo dodged it, but that thing snapped so quickly. Yep. That, like It was a cobra. Like that was the, I think that's the best example you could have for it. It was like a snake. I know. Cobra. Oh yeah. And like, it's... it was so cool to watch too. Cause there would be a couple times where he would move in the same fashion, mm-hmm. like go to pick his leg up as if he was going to kick or go to move his, his shoulder. Like he was going to do a punch mm-hmm. and you could see Paolo freaking out. And I thought that was a great tactic that Izzy kept doing. He kept making Paolo afraid kind of exactly you know what i mean exactly. he, he kept moving as if he was going to throw something and he was looking at how paulo was reacting to it which was insane exactly. you could it's, see him you could see him breaking it down in the yep. fight and it was incredible to see I, oh my god yep it's it's exactly as sam Donald once famously said just seeing ghost you know just seeing <laughs> ghosts. uh yeah it, it, it's so true though that uh you know, a lot of people, they think in this con- like conventional idea for fighting and stuff like that, that you have to blitz this guy or you have to uh, go like, you know, balls to the walls, like hard as you can throw like everything you have into a punch when that's so not true. Right. When you have patience and this calmness, it creates this flow state. And it's, it's kind of hard to describe a flow state. Uh, I- I'm trying to not sound like this like bro science kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> With like martial arts and stuff like that, but a flow state is this kind of thing where, uh, okay, like when you throw a combo, right? You're not thinking mm-hmm. like a one, comma two, comma, and then it's not like a one, comma two, and kick. It's more like one two kick. Right. It just flows so like so lovely. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, no, I know what like, you mean. It's kind of like it's kind of like becomes almost like a. A, a, like a second nature i guess or like a muscle memory type of thing where you kind of just do it it kind of happens like yeah you exactly. anticipate and it, when you do it for so long like he has you know kind of just yep. it goes it just feels right it just feels good it feels yeah, like exactly yeah i know what you're it, saying it, it, it feels right uh mm-hmm. you're not over you know you're not overthinking things you're going in with this like 
very much so this coolness and this steadiness and you're able to slow things down to see the exact points you want to hit them and israel just like anderson i mean he just enters this in the middle of a fight you know he has the calmness of like sparring against like somebody but he he's fighting at like fight speed which is crazy mm. and I, I mean just so many beautiful things like how he, like I was saying before, you know, with the, you know, setting these fake jabs, setting these fake kicks. Again, it makes Paulo just start dancing at the air. So then when you go against this elite striker like Izzy, uh, he's going to make you start jumping at stuff. And then when it actually counts, when it's an actual strike that he's intending to land, he's going to hit it. I mean, one beautiful thing is his question mark kick. You know, like uh, if you guys are watching it, where it looks like he's about to kick the body. And then at the last second, he just snaps it up to the head and just kicks. And that's the Same. one. That's the one in the second round that actually cut Polo and really had him hurt. I, I mean, it's just insane. Like, he was setting it up so beautifully in the first round, you know, just opening the hip, set, you know, just making him think, oh, round kick, com- round kick coming. They start kicking the leg, and he's like, okay, he's trying to go low. And then just start, like, throwing that. And Polo, I, I mean, was just getting clocked by it. Yeah, that one, that's the one that really damaged him. Because in the first round and parts of the second, you know, he was kind of, dancing around, trying yep. to taunt Adesanya, being all happy. And when Anya yeah. Sada slapped the shit out of his forehead with that leg kick, <laughs> and that thing burst open, his head bust open, I was like, dude. And he looked he looked like he was like, oh, my God. Like, I just yeah. got messed up. Like, you can see it on his yeah, face. Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, it's such a big thing, you know what I mean? Uh, a fighter's will to be there and their confidence – uh, cause again, Izzy on the one that cut him, he actually faked a cross. So he faked a cross and usually when you kick, um, so guys, sometimes they'll do it differently. Like say if you're throwing your right leg, right? So sometimes with the corresponding, like the corresponding arm, like the right one, some guys will throw it down, but Izzy was throwing it out to make it look like a cross is coming. So Paul was like, okay, I'll just like step back or he'll try, uh, he'll try slipping and then he just slips right into the kick. Mm. and paulo i mean like i mean paulo you know he is a fantastic fighter in his own right uh you know very funny guy good guy and he's very talented but i i think that he just went in there against izzy and he just saw that speed and he just felt that precision hitting him and then he's like holy crap like you could see him like in the octagon almost like it's like he's questioning his game plan and stuff like that because he sees it's not work it wasn't working well and then it just starts you know messing with the guy's confidence obviously when you fight um you know you don't think of like tit for tat like you know you hit me i hit you like rock of sockums um <laughs> like sometimes you know you go in, you go in on some exchanges where you're not going to get the better of it but it's just setting stuff up um but you could just see it was just wearing on him like he just like yeah. looked lost yeah, no, he did. And that actually makes me, you know, talking about, talking about Paulo like that, I, I want to know what you think, um, what, ga- what type of game plan he needed to, to win that fight? Because we talked about this um, after the fight, and I, I want to know if you agree with me. I felt his game plan, and I know I, you kind of agree with me at this, but I, I want to hear yeah. you say it now. Um, I felt like he should have blitzed a little bit more. He should have got, yeah. you know, limited Adesanya's uh, range as much as possible, try mm-hmm. to do his best to take away the precision as much as possible. I mean, Adesanya is going to have the precision, but doing up close and getting, getting uh, blitzing them and getting up close to them is going to limit that a little bit. And then I always thought yeah. he, he should have tried to take him to the ground at least once or twice, yeah. do something. Cause you have to, you have to limit Adesanya's precision when you're standing up like that. 
because mm-hmm. it, he'll just wreck you the whole time. If you, you sit back and you wait, he's just going to obliterate you until you yeah. open up. And that's exactly what he did. But I want to know what you think, what kind of game plan he should have had. Okay. So with the blitzing thing, cause I, I do know that a lot of people uh, were saying that, that they were very confused with Paulo's mm-hmm. thing that uh, he just kind of went in and just forgot about his game plan. Um, so Paulo you know, again, we've seen this in multiple fights. He's this pressure kind of guy. He'll bite down the mouthpiece and he'll just walk into the pocket and just start throwing. And uh, we, we've seen this with Izzy that he has just been able to counter these pressure fighters so well. I mean, my my boy, the biracial angel, Robert Whitaker, uh, you know, poor, poor Bobby Knuckles. I love him to death. He's, you know, one of my favorite, like one of my favorite fighters to watch. Right. Um he kept trying to blitz in and try to headhunt for Izzy. And we just see how well that worked out for him where he was just getting check hooked for days. And I mean, Izzy wasn't even like flinching at like, like not like over exaggerating his step back. He was just so calm in the pocket and was able to get these really powerful, precise shots off, mm-hmm. uh, you know, knocked him down at the end of the first round and then finished him in the second. And with Paulo, we see this kind of similarity again, where this guy tries blitzing in, uh, and Izzy is just so patient. Like he's almost seen this a thousand times, you know? And also I would say that Paulo, uh, what's kind of trippy for him uh, is the fact that it, it's weird. Paulo Costa has fought like a, an, like an, anom- like an anomaly level of Southpaws <laughs> for his UFC career. I, I'm serious. Like Yoel Romero, uh, Johnny Hendricks, um, uh, I mean, it's 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 very strange because how we see Polo, how he blitzes guys, is that he'll back them into the cage and then he'll throw that right round kick into the midsection and then enter off that to start going in on them. And against Izzy, who's a guy who's ambidextrous, like at both stances, at southpaw and orthodox, he's a, as an elite uh, style at both. Um, he was able to just give this very unfavorable look to Paulo. And again, Israel was just reading it so fast. Like he was catching these kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now with, with Paulo being able to wrestle, I mean, it's tough. Israel doesn't look like it per se, but with, with grappling exchanges, it's less about out muscling someone per se. Cause that's very inefficient for energy, but more about positioning, mm. you know, you see this like with guys like Habib, who's an elite wrestler. Yeah. Uh, where I mean, these guys, how he just tires them out is that he just gets on top of them, uh, goes into these kinds of grips and these stances that are able to put a lot of his body weight on them and tire them out. They get up and then all he does is just flip his hips and then they're just back on the ground. He didn't even have to throw them. Right. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. with Polo, he's a, he has very good takedown defense and able to get out of that. So we saw, you know. Paulo tried clinching with Izzy and Izzy just got right out of that, yeah. you know, and Paulo has that degree, you know, has that black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but he just doesn't really use it offensively. We just haven't really seen that. So while I do think that there's some things that Paulo could have done more, like try to pressure a lot more. I just feel that Izzy is just on this other level when it comes to dealing with these pressure fighters, just dealing with all these kinds of fighters, you know? Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. There, I, I completely agree with you when it comes to the blitzing thing. I, I see your point because it's hard to do that to Adesanya just because he's so well-rounded in, in yeah. everything, really. Um, 
But I think there was there was once or twice where I really thought Paolo was going to take advantage because yeah. Adesanya had his back to the cage and he was close to the cage. And I really thought – and he was kind of like in a corner a little bit too. And I thought mm-hmm. – Paolo was going to take advantage of that and move in on him and try to do something. Yeah. And he didn't. And I think that's one of those cases where I think there was a missed opportunity where he should have went yeah. for it at that point. And I think, like you said, he did try to go for a takedown. He just hasn't used it a lot offensively yeah. um, with his takedown stuff. I think he should have tried, especially when he started to get damaged a little bit. He, mm-hmm. he had to do something, I, but I, I do get what you're saying. I think no matter what Adesanya would have yeah. came out on top just because he's such a, such a superior fighter. He's so good. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I think that uh, it, it's funny, especially in the fight game, really, that when you're winning, you're on top of the world, and people think you're going to be the world beater who's going to take out the champion and do all this kind of stuff. But when you lose, especially in that kind of fashion, everybody turns on you. They say, this guy or this team's a scrub, they're pretenders, all that kind of stuff. Let's not forget, Paulo Costa is an elite fighter. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like, this dude went three rounds with, like, Yoel Romero, just constant pressure. You know, this was like he went like Tour de France, like pace with <laughs> pace with this guy, like we're yeah. just going balls to the walls. And uh, with Polo, he, I, I think the billing for the fight was a little incorrect. I remember seeing the UFC uh, release like a cold open for where they say, you know, scariest power in the middleweight division with this kind of like gargantuan, Herculean looking guy in right. Polo. When really Polo actually has good technique on his, on his punches, he has good technique on his striking. It's just that he's not very diversified, and his de- and his defense, as well, isn't the best, you know. And again, when you're fighting against a very opportunistic, tricky fighter like Israel and Asaya, uh, I mean, that's just not going to work. Like, you can't just always bite down the mouthpiece and just walk into it. I mean, we saw this with a, a, a little a, a little tell, or a little, I guess, you know, preview. A, sam- a sample cup mm. was when we saw Paulo fight Uriah Hall, who uh, is a very dominant jabber. And Paulo was really eating some big jabs, but Uriah Hall isn't exactly the best at dealing with pressure when his back is against the cage. Uh, he kind of melts at that, so that kind of helped him out. But against a guy like Izzy, who has you know, elite-level defense, you know, that just wasn't going to add up. Um, Paulo is a great fighter. He still has a lot in the tank. Mm. I just think, though, that Israel, again, you know, just like Anderson, is just at this other level, this other kind of focus than a lot of what these fighters are and stuff like that. Yeah, and no, I, I agree. I agree with you there. I think it's it's going to like it's just going to be hard to beat somebody like that in general just because they're like levels above the elites. So, like, yeah. what do you even do? Like, yeah, I don't exactly. know. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You, yeah. know what I, you know what I mean? Israel is just this guy who, you know, I, I'm just absolute grinder, you know. Uh, it, it's it's very entertaining. Like when I watch his uh, videos of him uh, hitting pads with Eugene Behrman, or when he, you know, spars and stuff like that. And there's just this patience, this calmness to learn every kind of move to it. Uh, I I mean, again, I you know, I I will be the first to admit. Like sometimes I'm not the biggest fan of his personality and stuff like yeah. that. But I think that he is just such a you know, focused, just, just this very focused, clear-minded fighter when it comes to all this stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, Just a real student of the game. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on all that. I do, like you said, his character is something that I'm not a fan of. I, I I thought he was, it was cool. Um, I I like his personality in the sense, you know, last style bender, all that. He's pretty, 
He's got a swagger to yeah. him. I like that. Yeah, I, but it's just I, the I, whole thing after the fight when he when he humped the Oh uh, like, yeah, not I, necessary, dude. Yeah, necessary. I, I, th- I, yeah, I, I really think that that was uh, not necessary. Yeah, that was bush league. Um, you know, that was bush league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially when you have an opponent. Uh, like I, I don't care. Like I mean, I, again, it's different strokes, different folks. Like for myself, like I don't get offended by any kind of words or memes. Like the only way to like get something at me, I mean, is like if someone like with the intention of like trying to physically harm, you know, a f- someone I love or like myself, right? Then that's when I would react. But again, everyone's kind of different with all of that. You know what I mean? People use this stuff for different kind of fuel. And I, I think that that was very extracurricular. I don't think that was very needed. Yeah. Um, Cause he beat him. He, he beat him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you already yeah. know that, you, yeah, you have, you have all the power. Right. Exactly. And you have all the power now to talk and say whatever you want mm-hmm. afterwards, yeah. but to just do that to him, I felt was like totally unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause you can, you can brag about it now that you won, but yeah. to go an extra mile and like, just, that was just like humiliating yeah. to like a but, degree that yeah, was unnecessary. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting with uh, Izzy, when you see him on some of the more low-key interviews with, uh, say, smaller sports channels or reporters or in more formal settings, he actually is like a really, really like chill and nice guy. I just think, again, like, you know, it's like a lot of these guys, they play up the personality for the fights. Because, again, UFC and, you know, boxing, MMA – it's a very unique sport in the sense that it's not like NFL or NBA where people have these fixed salaries um, and they have these TV deals. Like guys have to go out of their way and sell the fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like guys can be elite fighters. I mean, I mean, look at like Leon Edwards in the welterweight division, number three, or I believe it's number two or number three welterweight right now. Uh, this dude is on like, I want to say a seven to eight fight winning streak. And it's just been like killing all these top rank welterweights, but nobody wants to fight him because like, he just can't, he's just not very known. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, this is very unique in this. This is a very unique sport where you have to kind of like sell all this. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think the perfect example of that too is someone like Conor McGregor yeah. where I watched a documentary on McGregor. I know there's a lot of people who don't like him. I watched yeah. the documentary on him on Netflix, Notorious yeah seemed like such a chill guy stuff like that but like you all you know when he did the mayweather thing and then yeah with nate diaz and all that stuff he acts like an asshole he acts like a jackass and i feel like that's people like that uh it's kind of like reminds me of the wwe in the sense where it's you know you got to sell yourself you got to make people want to see you fight someone and i think that's kind of what it's all about yeah especially asanya too now he's just trying to make his brand yeah yeah you know uh colby covington yeah right right right. okay yeah so Colby, I remember, uh, he actually was about to be cut by the UFC, I believe, in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a win over Damian Maya, like because he incorporates this very much so dominant wrestling style, where he'll get on top of guys, ground and pound. He's not the strongest striker per se, but he's just this elite wrestler, so he just out gas tanks people and just kind of like paces them. Mm-hmm. So he was, even though he was an elite fighter, he was uh, threatened to be cut. Literally, I wins that fight against Maya, and then just calls out Brazil. He's like, "Brazil, you're a dub!" Like, just <laughs> saying all this insane stuff, and they made this huge character change. It's so funny. Like, um, I, I remember, I remember before he made this character change, he was wearing like these nice bespoke suits. You know, yeah. it was very 
was very calm. He was very good friends of Hori Masvidal. He's in a lot of his vlogs. And just after it, you see him like this purposeful character, this hilarious wrestling heel character change where he starts wearing MAGA hats. <laughs> he starts wearing like these JC Penny like pre-fitted suits that are like so short on him. Yeah, right. It, it, I mean, it's, it's hysterical. Yeah, and it's all for, it's all for, you know, for the, yeah, exactly. for, for the entertainment factor. Yeah, exactly. Like there, there's definitely times like I've seen him in fan interaction, all kind of stuff like where he's actually like a pretty chill guy. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. It, it, it's just a part. It's just a part of the business. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just a part of the game. Um, now we were talking about interviews and stuff like that. You mentioned before Adesanya interview. Uh, there was an interview the other day where they asked him if he was on steroids. Now this has been something I saw come up a little bit here and there because uh, his his freaking like man boobs were like like <laughs> little saggy. Like his chest was kind of saggy, and people were saying it was because it's something called like gyno, like when you're on steroids and like. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So some people are saying it's because he's on steroids. I don't think he is, um, but tell me what you think about that. Okay, so with the whole uh, with the whole gyno thing, uh, I think that uh, a lot of these people are trying to play like the internet web MD, and whenever like steroid accusation accusations, all kind of stuff come out, they love to kind of hop on that. Um, with Izzy. I just think that it, it, it has to be something else. Um, I feel that the UFC, where we are right now, the USADA testing is just so strict that I feel that it's just so difficult to try to get these like long steroid cycles in, like just like they did before, or to try to do these like planned ones. Because I mean, back in the day, you could like plan it and you would like kind of right. know when you're going to get tested. Yeah, nowadays, but- I, nowadays, I mean, they could like visit you anywhere and just be like, okay, like three in the morning, we need you to pay. You know, right. I think that it's just maybe some other kind of medical condition or something like that that's going on with Izzy. I wouldn't like. I personally don't look too much into it. Uh, I just feel that the UFC is at a very good spot right now with uh, the whole drug testing thing. Because I mean, we look. We, I mean, we look like six, seven years ago where these guys were on this like HGH testosterone replacement, like horse meat, yeah, right. where these guys were like juiced to the gills. I mean, it was insane. Look at like, like Brucey from GTA Five, uh, GTA Four. Oh yeah, exactly with this bull yeah. shark testosterone. Bull shark, they were all on the bull like, shark. Oh, I mean, it's it's freaking insane. Like, all right, there. I would say there are very. I am afraid of no man, but there are two people I would not look in the eyes: Mike Tyson and Vitor Belfort when he was on TRT in the early 2000s. There's something so scary about a Brazilian man with a. This like this like hillbilly mohawk like long hair, um, who's screaming about Jesus and can head kick someone so hard <laughs> that he causes them to lose vision in their right eye. That's actually insane. That I can't even imagine, dude. That's actually insane. I would never look. Oh at someone yeah, like it's, that. It, 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 yeah. Poor, poor Michael Bisping. He he goes in, he goes into there at the Wayne. He said Jesus isn't real, and then just gets head kicked into oblivion. <laughs> you want know to you know crazy guy, is that Michael. Guy. Oh yeah, my, you want crazy with Michael Bisping? Uh, also, highly suggest his podcast for anyone. Mm, okay, uh, super funny guy. With Michael, he, somehow he was able to pass the UFC physical, which in, like include a vision test with one eye. Like he has a glass eye that he can remove. And this man won a world title with one eye. It's insane. What a, what a unit. That's actually legendary status right mm. there. Yeah. What what a guy. What a guy. Um, so yeah, to circle to circle back with Izzy though, I, yeah. I really I, I think that it can be something else. 
uh, I, you know, I really, that's way above my pay grade. Uh, and I'm 12 years behind in schooling for medicine. <laughs> so I no. can comment on it. No, but I agree. I think it's all like WebMDs or like, you know, uh, fitness heads on YouTube, just mm-hmm. trying to, trying to get some content and they're just trying to say it cause they think they know what they're talking about. Um, cause they, you know, went to the gym that day and had some protein. That's it. But no, I, yeah. I, you know what I mean? You got, you got like, you know, all these heads on there thinking that they know what they're talking about. So like going to LA fitness or retro fitness and they come home and they look at that and they're like, this guy's on PEDs. He's not natty like yeah. me. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But meanwhile, they're looking at, they're looking at like their favorite vibe. I was like, ah, oh, this guy's all natural drinking his exactly. whey, pro- whey proteins and egg shakes. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, like yeah. yeah. Like, like Izzy, like Izzy again, like I think that it's just another thing going on, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like to speculate too much on the things that I don't really know. Cause again, like, you know, this is like advanced stuff that like doctors and all that know, you know what I mean? Right, right. So I, I actually want to ask you, Dan, what do you think is next for Israel Adesanya? Because, I mean, defended his belt twice. Um, do you think he's going to have to try to defend it again? I know he mentioned uh, fighting Cannoneer. He said that's, that's the only worthy opponent that can come up next. Or do you think he can do something and move up a weight class? All right, so uh, with – Jared Cannonier, the killer gorilla. Uh, I mean, super. I, I mean, it, it's it's such a fitting nickname for him because that dude. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. He came into the UFC at heavyweight, moved down to light heavyweight, and then got to middleweight, and has lost none of his muscle. I mean, this dude is just like shredded to the bones. A beast. Yeah, I mean, insane. I mean insanely jacked and you know on top of that like really great guy um now with jared cannonier he has probably the heaviest hands in that middle he has the heaviest hands in that middleweight division and possibly some of the heaviest in the ufc i mean just insane knockout power um but uh, again you know it's difficult again, you know, you try to get into that striking matches around Asaya, you know, he's been able to deal with guys who have that kind of pressure and stuff like that. I mean, I guess it's more of a unique kind of angle because you have that, you know, explosive power. I mean, Yoel had that, but not as strong as Jerry Cannonier. Um, and Jerry Cannonier has better striking defense. So it could be more interesting, but um, I mean, again, I, I just couldn't see it any other way that uh, Israel would likely get the TKO. I mean, this is again, assuming that Jerry Cannonier, uh, beats Robert Whitaker. So in my opinion, if you want to make the fighter who can beat Israel Adesanya, who has the best shot to do it, you need a guy who is a very dominant wrestler. Um, basically they're like, they're str- like their striking sets up the wrestling. Um, like that's their main kind of offense the wrestling who can put the, you know, grab a guy, put his ass on the floor and, just ground and pound. I mean, we saw this with, I, I, again, uh, I know I'm comparing a lot with the whole Anderson thing, but I think there's a lot of no, parallels. Right. Oh, there's a lot of similarities for sure. Yeah. Yep. When Chael P. Sonnen, the gangster <laughs> from Westland, Oregon, came in against uh, Anderson Silva, he presented this very unique challenge. I mean, again, Anderson has, you know, he fought top level strikers. He fought former champions. He fought, uh, black, you know, multi-degree black belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys who were juiced to the gills, all this kind of stuff. He goes against Chael, who is this very dominant 
wrestler, you know, his offense is that everything leads into it. You know, you notice some guys, they'll use the wrestling set up strikes or the jujitsu to try to get into good positions, try to set up some strikes from the below. Uh, he would use it just to set, you know, set up that ground and pound. And we saw with Anderson, like Anderson, I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, we, I think we're probably like 12 years old or something like that when this fight happened. Mm-hmm. So obviously we couldn't really watch or appreciate it at the time, but it, no one ever saw that. Like Anderson was thoroughly getting dominated every round. And he like Anderson, again, it's another like fabled chapter in Anderson's history that he won literally in the last minute at the 11th hour by a Hail Mary submission on Chael. When Chael likely, if that if that last minute went through, he would have won that fight. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that you need that style of fighter against Israel Asaya because there's just feasibly no one who could really out-pressure him because you've seen you know, multiple good pressure fighters try to take him. You know, you know, he dispatched them with ease. Then we have guys who are really good, you know, primarily counter-punchers like jo- Joel Romero where he just kicks the shit out of their leg. So I think that you really need this kind of dominant ground and pound style wrestler. Now, if the Kamzat Shemaev trains, that's exactly who I was going to bring up. I was literally just going to ask you, do you think that's, that's the guy who can maybe be the biggest challenge for Adesanya? Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, It's good that we segued into that because I was thinking of that is Mm -hmm. that, with, I mean, Kamzat, again, this is a lot of speculation because he, you know, he's one of those fighters, and I'm really, you could say it about a lot of guys who aren't ranked yet, but have a lot of hype because they're exciting finishes. You just don't know how skilled they, like, how good they are against these skilled kind of guys. I mean, because again, he just has been knocking dudes at, just destroying guys in the first round, but in such dominant fashion. Um, I mean, I think that he's a very special fighter. I mean, just ridiculous punching power. He has, he, he basically, he basically is like, they call him like Khabib for a reason. He literally is just a bigger version of Habib, just such dominant wrestling. And he's so freaking strong too. I mean, uh, fellow top UFC fighters who train with him, like Alexander Gustafson and stuff like that. Like they say, like, he is like one of the best guys he, they have sparred with. He's just incredibly strong and so knowledgeable with his grappling that I think that if his hype train does pay off and if we could see that cardio, because again, we haven't really seen him out of the first round for many of his fights. Um, that could be a massive challenge for Israel Adesaya. Remember how I was saying before, Israel found a title shot in a year and Dana is really pushing Kamzat. So we could yeah. see that within the next year. And I think that that would be a very, very tough matchup for Israel. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, Dan- Dana White is pushing the hell out of this uh, out of mm-hmm. Kamzat. He he he's like high on him. So, but you you actually bring up a very good point and it's that we really haven't seen him out of the first round, which is impressive, yeah. but also a warrant for concern because we don't know what he's going to be like in round 4 or 5. Is he going to tire yeah, totally. out, especially being the type of fighter that he is, you know, with a lot of or a lot of wrestling and stuff like that. Is he someone yeah, totally. whose endurance is not great past like round 3? Um, and that's something I guess we're gonna have to find out. I'm sure we'll find that out soon. His next fight or something. Yeah, totally. How many like times we, can you get a first round, a first round win? You know. Yeah, exactly. Because you know you're eventually gonna run to these guys who are more like high level, who they don't get put away as easily. And again, he's just one of those guys that we literally have to just play it by you know play it by ear. We have to wait and see his fights and just see how he does. Um, again, I think that he is an excellent fighter and that he's gonna do very well. But you know, again. 
we we've seen this quite a few times before you know i mean this year as well like the prospects the ufc has been pushing have been really taking some hard falls um i mean sean o'malley with this whole leg thing oh, that with was Cheeto Vera, that sucked, yeah. uh or edmund shabazian when he fought Derek Brunson, uh, I mean, completely gassed out by the second round and then just got pummeled. I mean, then again, that's that's what happens when you have uh, freaking Edmund Tarverian, who was Ronda Rousey's coach, as his coach, and he's just shouting, head movement, head movement. <laughs> yeah, that's actually hilarious. That's literally hilarious. Great take there, Dan. Great take. Oh, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. But um, I want to talk about another fight, too, because you're talking a lot yeah. about Adesanya and stuff, which obviously that's, that is the one to talk about. That was the big fight. Yeah. But I want to talk about that, that fight between Dominic Reyes and uh, Han Blakovich, too, because mm-hmm. a lot of people just thought that Dominic Reyes was going to take it just because Dominic Reyes is so talented. Yep. But I want to know your take on that because I thought Blackwoods looked great. I thought yeah. he, he looked like he was throwing with a lot of power, and yeah. he was pretty precise, especially what impressed me the most was those two body shots that he threw with the, yeah. with the leg, two leg kicks. Because he hit the first one, which is impressive enough, and you could see it really bruised and hurt Reyes. But he hit it again, like on the money, the same spot again, and messed it up even worse. So just yeah. give me your takeaway from that fight. What do you think about that? All right, first of all, Jan Blahovich, uh, if you're ever listening to this and you know you understand this, I apologize for uh, disrespecting you and uh, picking Dominic Reyes in that fight. Uh, now... With Blahovich, those body because again he has, I mean with Dominic Reyes, uh, I think something that kind of worked against him is he still is very relatively new to the sport. I mean he originally played college football at Stony Brook, and oh really? I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he didn't get into MMA until I think he was like twenty three, twenty four. Wow, he got really start training. Damn. And uh, Blahovich, we just saw like those veteran kind of moves, and I think that. Uh, Dominic Reyes was, I don't want to say buying into his hype too much, but maybe might've been doing that. Uh, Cause again, he was known, like everyone said with that fight yeah, against John Jones. I mean, so many people said like he won that fight against John Jones, you know, who's one of the greatest fire, like one of the top five greatest fighters of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you subtract out all like the outside extracurriculars. Exactly. Um, so again, a lot of people were very much so favoring Dominic Reyes because uh, his athleticism and uh, his performance against Jones. But Blahovich just played as that underdog kind of, you know, that underdog very well, and he just really stuck to his game plan. I mean, those yeah. body kicks, uh, especially that one—I I forget which one it was—where he, I mean, you had you saw that noticeable red mark. Yeah. Yep. It, uh, that, that thing looked like I, it was going to open up. Like, that was rough. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was crazy. I, it, it looked like – I think he might have hit him in, like, the floating ribs area. Like, just, I mean, crazy bruising and marks. And mm. another thing, too, uh, that completely changed the dynamic of the fight is when Jan Blahovich broke Dominic Reyes' nose. Oh, yeah. That was big. That was big. Yeah. yeah I, that, that. I, mean, that, I mean, that's such a big one because, again, breathing is such an important thing in fighting because, again, fighting is very much so like a marathon, you know, it's all about pacing, especially in those championship kind of fights at the five rounds, five minutes. Uh, like people don't think it, but like that's like exhausting. Yeah. And yeah. when you have your nose broken, uh, I mean, it, you have literally like this is going to be gruesome, but blood pouring down your throat. Uh, if you try to blow it to try to clear it, you're going to swell up your lower eyes, which can cause the doctor to possibly stop it. So, I mean, that's just such a tough adjustment, especially that early in a fight when you have your nose broken like yeah. that. And I mean, Reyes, you just saw that 
you know, that panic just starts setting in and then Blahovich start taking advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I just noted, and you, you said it too. I mean, Blahovich is, he stuck to his game plan and his performance was textbook. I mean, it was, yeah. it was so clean. You could tell he knew literally what he was doing and that's, yeah. that's what beat Reyes is. I, I think you're right though. I think that was a good, good assessment you made that, you know, Reyes being a little, a little new, newer mm-hmm. than uh, Blahovich. I think that, that that's what gave Blahovich the upper, upper hand. And like I said, I think he was just so throwing with so much power I mean, yeah. that's another reason breaking the nose and stuff like that. You could see it. He, he was going for damage. Blahovich was going for damage, and it really paid off. I, it was a nice fight, though. I, I thought it was fun. It was a good fight. Yeah. I, I think it could compete for – actually, no. I know what you – you know what? It, what's your fight of the night, actually? That's what I want to know. Because, I mean, both of those, the Reyes one was good, and the Adesanya yeah. one was good. I think the Adesanya one didn't live up to the hype as much because a lot of people thought yeah, yeah, Acosta yeah. – yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. But I thought the, the Reyes one was good. That one surprised me a little bit. But I know there was a fight that you liked. It was the end. It was the last one of the preliminaries, right? I know you wanted to mention that. Yeah, Brad, that. yeah Brad Riddell. I'm trying to remember the Brazilian guy he fought. Uh, the name of it is like slipping me right now. But Brad Riddell. Let me tell, let me, let me tell you about this, man. Yeah, talk about so, it. So, folks, Brad Riddell, if you didn't notice or you know didn't know – is he actually is the striking coach for City Kickboxing for guys like Dan Hooker, Alexander Volkanovsky, who's the featherweight champion, and oh, also, I don't know if you've heard about him before, but Israel Asaya. I never heard of that. Who's that? Ah, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I uh, upcoming prospect, right? I, don't, I never heard. Of yeah, him. I mean, I mean, like last style vendor, something like I don't know, just something some like maybe maybe some anime or something like that. A lot of hype. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, with Brad Riddell, I mean. He has this very, very great kickboxing, uh, great technique, all that kind of stuff. He actually has a great YouTube channel where he shows all his different techniques and training and all that kind of stuff. It's so fun to watch. He's just a technician. And he is definitely receiving a decent amount of hype for that lightweight division. I mean, his level of striking and all that kind of stuff. It's just exciting seeing him progress through stuff. Um, so yeah, that, I mean that could be in contention for fight of the night for me or Kekar France versus Brandon Royville, where uh, Brandon Royville just pulled like a like the flyweight Tony Ferguson and was just able to. I, I'm trying to remember the hit where like Kekar like got him good, and then Royville just throws this crazy like spinning elbow and just knocks down Kekar. Oh, dude, wait, was that the is that the same one? Um... I think it was that. I think it was that fight. Royville got knocked down on the ground, right? Yeah. And he he went to like to get out of the way, kind of, or to like move yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And he like somehow threw like a back spinning elbow and like yeah. knocked the other guy on the ground. I was like, what is? Oh, literally? Yeah. And then he fell on the ground. I was like, what is going on right now? This is just. Oh like, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. That was, a fun that, fight. Was, that was a cool fight. Yeah, it definitely was. I would definitely say for performance of the night definitely goes to Izzy, but I would say for fight of the night it has to be a toss up between that Brad Riddell one and uh, K Carr versus Royville. Yeah, I agree. Adesanya's performance was like absolutely insane. But those other two yeah. fights are great. Those those are so yeah, fun yeah. to watch. All right, now I, I want to shift over. We're gonna do a little preview now, Dan. If you're okay mm-hmm. with that, UFC two fifty four. All right, well I'll see you later, man. Good stuff. All right, peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, two fifty four. I'm ex- I, I'm really excited for this. I'm oh, excited yeah, to see man. Khabib again as long as it goes through, and and to see Gaethje again. Dan, first mm-hmm. of all, I, I want to ask you. Okay, I want to ask you. Yep. What is the keys to victory for both both uh, both competitors here? What do you think Khabib needs to do to win, and what do you think Gaethje needs to do to win? And do, okay. do you think Gaethje can even win, or is Khabib just too much of an absolute Russian monster, or a bear, an Ivan Drago in the octagon? You know, when 
when you when you have that stare down with someone after the weigh-ins or you know when the referee you know when the referee's telling you uh running through the fight and all that kind of stuff when you look the person in the eyes and you see the white of their eyes and the pupil and all that kind of stuff you realize they're just a man and i've always been in that belief I know it sounds so edgy. No, no, no. I, I kind of, I feel like this is going to have a really entertaining payoff. So I'm getting excited. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That any man, any team can be beat at any time, anywhere, any place. It's just all about the confidence, you know, the confidence and the preparation, and all that kind of stuff. Like, do you think like when the Giants upset the uh, his like record-breaking like Patriots? that they went to practice and they're like, okay, like they have the high scoring offense ever that they're undefeated, that they're going to beat us. No, like, you know, they had the heads high. They're like, okay, we're going to win this game. And they start figuring out along the way. So I am always that belief that although a guy could be more likely to win, that anyone can win, especially, especially in MMA, MMA and UFC where right. you always have the striker's chance. Right. So, so, so you're saying you think Gaethje has a chance or no? Is that I, what you're I, leading yeah. into? Yep. I, yeah. Okay. yeah. Gaethje, Gaethje has a chance. I, I've been saying this. I've been saying this for a decent while before the whole Tony upset that Gaethje is a very big problem for Habib if they do fight each other. Um, I had it where like I believe that Tony Ferguson was the biggest threat to Habib, then followed by Gaethje as well, which. Um, you know, a lot of people are starting to pay attention to now. So let's start, let's start with Justin Gaethje. Yeah. yeah. So Justin Gaethje, it, it, it's so, it, it's so entertaining to see his shift as a fighter that he's had since he's made his like promotional debut because he was called the highlight for a reason. I mean, his fight of the night bonuses, his insane, like knockout, like knockouts uh, and just his like, basically like bang in the mid, like bang in the middle, just like throw hands with each other style was so entertaining. Um, you know, when he goes against Michael Johnson and just absolutely destroyed him with those like leg kicks and then just backed him into the cage. But then we saw with that Eddie Alvarez fight and that Dustin Poirier fight that that highlight style of fighting, you know, wasn't going to work against the top guys in that division. Not when you're fighting those great kind of punchers where you have a lot of guys who have great power, but they can also get out of the exchanges very well. And then we see this new version of Gaethje, which culminated in that Tony Ferguson fight where we see instead of that old Gaethje who just, you know, walked into punches, walked into strikes, you know, and would just be like, okay, I'm going to hit them harder. Now we see, I mean, just slick boxing work, great footwork, all this stuff that he's always had that he was just able to figure out. Uh, I remember on the Joe Rogan podcast with his coach, Kev- Trevor Whitman, that he, when he first started fighting, he said he wanted to be the most exciting fighter in the world. And then after, I believe, the Poirier loss, he said he, he wants to be the world champion. Mm. And just that shift in the dynamic, that shift in the tone, you, you, know, you just see it demonstrated beautifully in his fights. So mm. with Gaethje, yeah. I think some big keys to victory is one, I believe his pressure and his leg kicks. Okay. So Habib, a big issue when you're dealing with Habib is the fact that Habib actually has very underrated striking. So he'll just back the guys, you know, 
back them into the cage and then his level change is insane like literally split second mm. how he can get on the ground and then just hit you with like an explosive takedown and then put you in the cage and then once your back is against the cage and he's on top of you that's like the end of a round right and i i mean we've we haven't really seen guys really go offensive against Habib. Now, again, granted, it's also because his takedowns are crazy and you have to account for both of those because we saw like with the Connor fight where, right. you know, with Connor, uh, that one time when he got cracked with the overhand, right. Uh, Habib, he actually loves doing that where he fakes the level change and Connor, you see his eyes are looking at Habib's, uh, head but then the moment he sees that level change, you see his eyes go down to the floor to get ready for a sprawl to throw the underhook in, and he just gets cracked mm-hmm. yeah, by and, that massive hit. Yeah, I think something that will benefit – Oh, first of all, to talk about the Connor fight, actually. Let me yep. do that first. Um, one thing that I think benefited Connor in that fight and that he was doing well was his game, besides getting cracked with that overhand, mm-hmm. was his game standing up. I think he was doing pretty well. Yeah, against Khabib standing up. It's just when, you know, yeah. Khabib, when, when Khabib takes you to the ground, it's kind of game over, especially for someone like Connor, who's not necessarily the best on the ground. That's probably his weakest point. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. Like, it, it it's kind of like that meme where it's like, it's like everyone a real G until, like, uh, this happens. Like, yeah. everyone has great takedown defense until you run to Khabib. Like, exactly. Uh, so, I, I think that Gaethje, we, we saw this, I mean, again, this is, very different style, right. but against Tony Ferguson, the boogeyman, right? How Gaethje was able to use this. He literally out pressured the pressure King of the UFC. Let's mm-hmm. not forget about Tony where Tony, one of his most pr- impressive performances ever against Rafael Dos Anjos, who's a great pressure fighter himself, former world champion. He fought this man at an insane pace for five straight rounds. Was throwing like spinning shit in round five like insane dancing around in Mexico city at high elevation. Yeah. And how Gaethje was able to completely outpace him and set the tone for the fight and set tone with this pressure to make him respect it, uh, which completely neutralized things like, you know, Tony's offensive jujitsu, offensive jujitsu and his pressure. And it'd be interesting to see him try to convert that against Habib. Now, with Habib, we noticed that although his striking is very underrated, there is, again, some issues. You know, there's no fighter true that's ever perfect. Right. Uh, with, with Habib, he's more heavy on that front foot. And with Gaethje, we see what he loves to do. I mean, that dude has insane uh, leg kicks. Yeah. Probably one of the best leg kickers in the UFC, mm-hmm. in the UFC currently up there with, like, Barboza. And he just blast people's legs and we even see that against guys like eddie alvarez and dustin poirier top level guys they were getting shook with those leg kicks where habib i mean again like i was saying before it's a thing of attrition over time mm-hmm. uh you can't move as well you can't throw as strong as strikes you right. can't explode as well right and I, sorry go no no I, yeah go ahead finish what you're saying and i'll, I'll okay. go on my part about justin yeah, yeah, and the, the attrition just starts building up. And so I think that uh, Gaethje, if instead of thinking in a counterpuncher way where he's like, okay, I'm going to let Habib come to me and I'm going to defend his takedown like so many – like 28 guys have tried that and 28 guys have failed, where Gaethje, if he can go with that game plan of trying to pressure Habib 
you know, utilize his leg kicks, utilize that footwork to try to pressure back Habib and keep the fight in the middle of the octagon. Uh, Habib, his favorite thing is that I believe, I believe it's the first, not, I'm trying to word it like hash mark, but <laughs> marking, because there's like two octagon markings, right? That like, right. like two uh, line formations that make an octagon that come outside of the center of the octagon. And once a bead gets you in like in between those two, then he'll just shoot that level change and bring you into the cage. But if Gaethje can fight that really good fight, keeping in the middle, uh, again, that's going to be a whole world of problems for Habib. Yeah. Yeah. One thing about Justin and his, first of all, his last fight, I mean, I think if he fought against anybody other than Tony Ferguson, he was going to get a knockout. It's just Tony Ferguson yeah. is literally made of cement or something. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. The guy does not go down. And I mean, he even he made uh, Tony stumble a little bit. Yeah. But if, if Gaethje did that to anyone else, they'd be on the mat, hands down. Yeah, it's, it, it, it sucked watching as a huge Tony fan. Right. You know, just seeing each round go by and you're like, okay, this is going to be the round where he's going to turn it on. And then, you know, by – the end of the third i just start you just start setting on me like holy shit like tony might not win this yeah and it's and what was so impressive i think was i mean mm-hmm. gaethje's his game plan and his adjustments in the match were oh yeah oh my goodness so clean you yep. could tell he went in knowing exactly what he wanted to do and he executed yep. it to literal perfection so if and he could I, do that I, again if he could do that again against khabib mm-hmm. like I, I, I oh, can yeah. see him winning, you know? and, 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 and the relationship of discipline between him and Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman is such a great mind in the, mm-hmm. in, uh, the MMA community. There's a reason why uh, he's won multiple Coach of the Year awards. With, with Gaethje, I remember, I think it was uh, the end of the third that they were sitting down at the stool, and he was telling him, like, you know, don't get too excited. I remember the last two times what happened. He's like, yeah, like, I got finished. Yeah, I think it was and, the second. I think you're right. I think it was the second yep. or third end of the second and, or third, yeah. Gaethje, just his ability now to stick to that game plan, be disciplined, and to instead of going 100% every time, and you know, because again, if you go 100% every time, uh, sometimes it works, but other times, you know, your footwork gets messed up, you get stiff, which leaves you so open for different kinds of counters. And just how he's able to greatly stick to that game plan, throw 70, 75%, and then later on as the fight went on, you as your opponent, that accumulated damage just builds up. Their body becomes more mobile. Then you really start throwing it at them. And I, I mean, again, like we were saying before, Tony Ferguson, I mean, that dude's made out of like admanium. Yeah. But right. literally, like, he's uh, actually the Wolverine. I don't, I don't understand yeah. how it's possible. Uh, my friends tell me actually, and you probably know this, Dan, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, big Tony fan. I heard yeah. he like literally just like kicks this crap out of like cement pillars in the gym. Just to like, oh, you know, yeah. build the strength of a shin, which is literally actually ridiculous. Or like metal, metal pillars, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, it's there, insane. Just to build the strength of his bones. He just oh, like yeah. calluses there, them over. Like, oh my God. There's this amazing video of him where he's like, yeah, like he has this like six inch metal steel rebar outside of his house. Like who even owns that? And he's like, yeah, uh, I use this for my conditioning. And he just round kicks it. And, I, and he's just like, yeah, you guys see? No blood. He's like, we're good. And insane. it's insane, but I mean, at that fifth round before he, before uh, Herb Dean stopped the fight, I mean, again, like I said before, is that accumulated damage from those kicks and those body shots. Yeah. I mean, it, Tony again was still trying to fight, but like, it, it's those moments when your body just tells you no mm-hmm. and just stops because it just stiffens up. Yeah. And uh, again, I mean, with Gaethje, we see him go from this 
this again this literal highlight to now this very technical fighter with great footwork and speed and going for a more paced kind of fight instead of this like uh exciting first round finish or something like that you know exactly i think that's actually the the coolest and most exciting part about watching him fight it's just Mm -hmm. that he takes it at such a good pace and paces himself so well and even when you said the discipline thing, yeah, the, I remember the coach was saying, like, you know, you're swinging for the fences right now. You're trying to, like, knock his head off. Like, yeah. you got to stop or else he's going to – you're going to get tired and then you're going you're gonna to regret that. So just seeing how he does that, how he makes adjustments in the fight, how he disciplines himself, how he paces it, is just so, so impressive. It, I, I was so impressed by that fight. And I think a lot of people – because I remember, like, after the fight and since the fight, his, like, Instagram has, like, blown up. Yeah. He's gotten so many, so many followers on Twitter and Instagram that it's crazy. So I feel like he was someone that not necessarily was unknown because he definitely wasn't yeah. unknown, but wasn't as big as some others. And I think now it's growing and people are starting to realize, like, this guy's legit and he's a threat. And I think you're right. I think you're right. I think he can definitely challenge uh, Khabib if he sticks to his game plan, which I'm sure he yeah. has a great one, you know? Yeah, totally. And uh, another thing that people forget is that uh... – Justin Gaethje as well was an all-American wrestler at North Colorado. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, and that's a you know great Division I uh, wrestling program there. Now, uh, a lot of people bring that up when they're trying to make like the fight pairing to say the whole wrestling threat. Now, Gaethje, he utilizes it more – trying to word it because I think that – Again, wrestling in MMA is so different from regular, like, you know, folk style wrestling, like we know in, you know, Olympics or yeah, like, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, know what you mean, like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the Olympic standard wrestling. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, George St. Pierre out wrestled, I mean, he out wrestled like D1 All Americans, like Josh Koscheck and stuff like that, even though GSP never trained wrestling until he was like, older in his life mm-hmm. or guys like yoel romero where yoel romero is like a silver medalist in freestyle wrestling but he has like the lowest uh time i believe according to the ufc stats he has lowest uh ground control on people because you know he's more so used to just throwing them for points right and with gaichi i mean gaichi has all said himself that he's more of a defensive style wrestler so i believe that that experience could play into effect but Again, like I say, is that we never want to think in that way of, okay, a part of my game plan is going to be defending those takedowns. Because again, like the moment you start becoming conservative and thinking of that, okay, I want to prevent his game plan instead of I want to enact my game plan. Again, like I said before, we've seen 28 men try that, 28 men fail. Exactly. And I think the point you made was great um, that he said that he's more of a defensive uh, person he's more of a defensive when it comes to takedowns mm. i think that's literally perfect for this fight because who yep. in their actual right mind you'd actually have to be there has to be something wrong with you if you wanted to offensively wrestle khabib you, yeah there actually has to be something wrong with you if you decide to do that so i think the oh, fact yeah. that he he has experience in defending takedowns and he has a lot of good experience doing that is going to mm. benefit him a lot uh, i think i think you're right i think he shouldn't go in thinking that he has to defend it the whole time and be a little yep. bit more conservative. Cause then that's going to lead to his downfall and could just going to destroy him. Uh, yeah, I think though, yeah, it's totally. a good thing. That, it's a good thing to have in his back pocket though. It's a good little, yeah, uh, all- like uh, now for my trap card, you know, a little, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That, that's what I think is that I, I think it's like with any sporting thing, you know, like when guys go up against that huge championship team or, 
you know, that one really, really good wrestler or fighter is again, respect their abilities, but also respect your own ability and know that mm. like you worked hard to get to that point. Obviously you got to that point because you're pretty skilled and you have had some pretty good convincing matches. So respect their abilities and recognize them be like, okay, like there's obviously some adjustments I'll have to make, but don't think like, okay, I'm going to make my whole game plan around just preventing his main strength. Because again, like he's one of the most dominant fighters we've seen. No, exactly. I, I mean, I mean and I'm not going to lie. Wait, Dan, real quick. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty ins- inspirational. We just said, respect your opponent's abilities, but respect your own. I like that. That's a good quote. Hey, 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 hey look, uh, audiobook coming soon. Uh, Life Meditations with Dan. Uh, still need it, you know, still waiting back for Penguin Publishing to write back to me. It's been about a year, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, it's going to be one of those books, you know, those books that are like uh, girls reading like middle school where it'll just be like a quote on a page or like four yeah. lines. That's, like, that's going to be your book, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like She Saw, She Conquered. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, yeah, Dan, that's actually going to be your book. It's going to be like, I, respect, I, I, I respect others' abilities, respect <laughs> your own abilities, and that's your book. <laughs> yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Or I'm just going to be like quoting famous people and then putting my own quotes around them. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's going to be Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, I, you just got your new field of work. Yeah, hey, exactly. You know, if this if this whole uh like funny thing doesn't work out, then I got, you know, another nothing to fall back on. <laughs> exactly. It's so, a yeah, side with, hustle. So, yeah, like we were saying with uh with the beat with Habib and Gaethje is that Gaethje, the big tools for him to win just for like a summarization is that I believe that he needs to use that forward pressure uh you know to set the pace for the fight and set the tone and to make sure that he's not having his back against the cage he needs to utilize leg kicks in order to build up that accumulated damage on habib and three again that like we we're saying before that defensive wrestling and that takedown defense ability coming into effect as long as he can keep it in the middle of the octagon so those are my paths to victory for gaichi mm, now you're gonna give me the khabib okay Habib Nurmagomedov. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. A man hailing from Dagestan, Russia. Uh, has a 28-0 record. Uh, I don't know if the guys that he's beaten have been too good. Uh, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Michael Johnson. I've never even heard of these guys, if I'm being completely yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it sounds like he's been pushing cans. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, what can we say? I mean – just an absolute beast i mean this man there's actually videos of him where he was a little kid wrestling like a bear cub i've heard that i heard he wrestles baby bears i actually didn't know that until the other day and i was like that is literally probably not true but it probably is true i feel like dude the, i'm not that is look, i'm not like, even gonna lie that is the most russian it's the most russian shit i've ever heard yeah, oh, J- jamie pull that up J- jamie pull that up. Uh, J- J- jamie jamie pull that up <laughs> <laughs> yeah he and of course like you can tell it's in russia too because he has the freaking track suit on and all that I, oh. I, I remember I don't know I don't know why I, I just saw this like video a couple minutes before of like uh, this train in Russia like this train in Russia but they didn't say where it was I immediately knew it was Russia because like the Adidas <laughs> track pants of course that's a staple it's the Nico um, Bellic yeah hey cousin hey, go go boy. Uh, so yeah with with Habib this man how I compare his fighting style so like I, I like how I like to say, like I've told you before, is that Tony Ferguson, when he fights, is like a like axe murderer from a 1980s slasher where he just keeps coming for you. And as the movie progresses, he just gets stronger. And with Habib, Habib is literally it, – it, it's a mauling. It, 
it looks like a college like it looks like a college bar fight outside against a guy who's like severely overmatched. Like a nerd got some confidence juice in him. And then he has like this big Chad just come on top of him, just beat the crap out of him. I mean, Habib, it's insane. I remember before how we were talking with Paulo and Izzy, how Paulo was just becoming less confident as the fight goes on. Habib literally like actualizes that. And just, you could just see it in the, his opponent's body language and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's insane. His wrestling ability, his ground and pound, his power, his cardio. Because, I mean, again, that's very tiring to be able to be on top of someone and hold them down like that for that long to keep level changing and all that. But how he's just able to do it, I mean, that's like all-time great status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. He's he's an absolute legend, dude, at, like mm-hmm. already, 20 now. You know what, Dan, can I tell you my conspiracy theory that I have about Khabib? Let's pull out you know, the tinfoil hats for a second. Yeah, I'm going to go. I might go full Alex Jones here. They put okay, stuff in the water. No, I'm kidding. So, essentially, have you seen Khabib's, like, brothers and family? Because they actually all look exactly the same. Oh, yeah? So, I think yeah. I think somebody took DNA. Like, they created, like, this insane DNA combination yeah, of, yeah. like, you know, bears, obviously, uh, Vladimir Putin, um, Ivan Drago, they took all that stuff, just made it into one person and then just cloned them multiple times to make Khabib. Yeah, and, and then they like, like tried to the training ability of each one. Yeah, what I imagine right now, I'm imagining that Khabib is training. Like, you ever see, like, in Rocky Four? remember when, like, Drago's training in that lab and it's, like, all yeah, dark yeah, yeah. and, like, there's the people in the control room? I'm imagining that is exactly like, what Khabib lab is doing. All that. Yeah, that's actually what I imagine Khabib is doing right now. You see have, like, a heart rate monitor when he's, like, wrestling the bear? <laughs> he's just, he's like, wrestling a full-grown Russian grizzly bear right now. Using Excel for, like, the diagnostics to, like, see his improvements. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what's happening right now (laughs) when Khabib's preparing. So, yeah, with Habib's paths to victory. So, let's go with the obvious. Uh, Wrestling. Mm -hmm. Now, again, he needs that – he needs his own forward pressure against Gaethje to be able to wrestle with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, With Habib, he doesn't really want to get into a striking match with – Gaethje obviously because Gaethje has ridiculous power even if he's only throwing at 75% and that accumulated body damage you know Habib wants to pressure him and put him to the cage he doesn't want to be fighting in the middle of that octagon because again we you know we've seen we haven't really seen Habib wrestle too much in in the middle of the octagon and when he has it's more so like he's trying to get dominant position and then just try to put them into the cage because right. how he's able to wrestle off that. Because, again, a lot of guys are taught with good takedown defense to use the cage to posture up. And you see that in elite – like guys with really good takedown defense, like 80%, 90%, stuff like that. But, again, Habib, that just plays right into his advantage. Guy, what guys are traditionally taught to posture up from, he just uses that against them. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you look, it's, it's crazy because he literally uses the cage – like mm-hmm. it's like another part of his body. Like he yep. always uses it to, to manipulate the guy he's got on the ground again. I mean, to bring up the Connor McGregor fight again, yep. that's what he did to Connor the whole time. He kept him on the cage. When they took him down, Connor was like sitting against the cage and he really, I feel like he uses it to just tire people out because they mm-hmm. can't get out. They literally can't. Oh get out, yeah. It's, you know? it, it's so tiring, especially that leg lock that he throws where he just locks up their legs and just leans oh. into their body. Yep. That's what, and, he, did uh, Connor. Habib, that's what he did to Connor. And, yeah. and Habib is a heavy lightweight too. Do not be mistaken. Like he has to weigh probably around like 180, 185. For like, sure. He, he does a massive cut. He's like one of the biggest guys in the lightweight division. He's just huge. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I mean, again, another great example is like when we watched when he fought Dustin Poirier, you know, Dustin Poirier as well, world-class fighter, great takedown defense. And a lot of those American top team guys are always taught with the, you know, throw the guillotine when they're getting taken down. But Habib, with his wrestling, I mean, again, because those American top team guys, the guillotine, they get taken down, go to the cage, use that to posture up. With Habib, I mean, he just put him into the cage and then Dustin would really, really work to get up and simultaneously taking shots from Habib too and having his body weight on him. And then all Habib would do is just flip his hips and then Dustin was right back on his ass. Mm-hmm. And no, yeah. I, I mean, not only is that just tiring, but that's just frustrating. And that just works yeah. on their confidence. Like you see Dustin go into his corner and I mean, he just looked lost. Like, and I, and Dustin is an elite, elite fighter, amazing fighter. And, and just to see the confidence of guys get broken like that. Cause again, Habib style, that's just that mauling, like that insane ground and pound and mauling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane. It's so good. It's, it's such a, it's, I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to see if Gaethje actually has an effective game plan to beat that. Cause I don't yeah. know how you, it's so hard to, it's so hard. Yeah. To. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, totally. It's, it, it, it's definitely feasible. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that this is out of every challenger. Uh, one of the hardest that Habib is going to have to face. Cause I think like against stylistic matchup, uh, cause again, I, I don't like to think in MMA math terms where it's like, if this guy beat this guy and then that guy beat that guy, then right. he has a better yeah. chance. Yeah. Cause, um, again, like every guy is always different stylistic matchup and always presents different kinds of issues. Exactly. No. Yeah, I agree. Now, actually, so Dan, I actually want to ask you too, um, yep. depending on who wins this fight, who do, who do you think is going to be the next challenger for the belt? Now I know there's been rumors floating around that Khabib, if he wins, is going to retire. Do you think that's a possibility? Just cause you know. He'll finish out if he wins this one, what, 29-0, and 0, right? I mean, he could stay, am, try to round it up to 30 if he mm-hmm. wins, you know, but do you think I it's am, a possibility? I, I am still fantasizing about the Tony Ferguson and Habib matchup. Let's run it back for a seventh time and hope that yeah. finally sticks through. I mean, they li- this, this has to be like a setup. They literally had to make a – like a global pandemic happened to cancel it for a, like a sixth time. It's I mean, insane. This, it's insane. Um all right, with Habib, I remember from multiple times him and his father have said that he they wanted him to retire at thirty and zero, uh, and also you know God rest his father, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, did so much for his community mm-hmm. and also for Dagestani fighting, like Dagestani mixed martial arts stuff like that. Put a lot of those guys on the map. Um, with Habib, there have there has been talks about a super fight with him and George Saint Pierre. Oh, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. Think, yeah, I feel like George St. Pierre is a little too old for that. Like, I feel like I, I, I know it's it, it's interesting yeah. because George again is on the older side. Uh, also, you got to think about the weight cutting for him as well because the last time that uh, he came back to fight, I mean, he did that against Michael Bisping mm-hmm. for the middleweight championship. You know, when he was much older. And he had like col I don't know how you pronounce like cholestius or something like that, where like his gut was like very inflamed. Oh okay. Uh, I think I know like, what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, I I I I mean again, George St. Pierre, in my opinion, is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. Mm-hmm. He fought absolute killers and dominated so many guys. Uh I just don't know if he would come back in the octagon though for that. So then with Habib, I mean, it, it's tough to make other kinds of matchups for him because, again, he has cleared the most dominant division in the UFC. And I'm not only talking about right now. I'm talking historically one of the most dominant. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the killers. If he, you know, in that division that he has potentially been, Justin Gage, that's a potential. And the other guys like Dustin Poirier, uh, Michael John, like Dustin Poirier, Michael Johnson, Conor McGregor, uh, Ali, Ali Quinta, uh, Rafael De, Rafael All studs, all studs. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Like it's it, it's insane. Like I, I just don't know what other kind of matchup you can really have for him there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I get that. I I think I would like to see if he wins this one and just round it up at thirty. That's just me just wanting the satisfaction yeah. of there being thirty. Um, yeah, totally. I feel like that'd be great. I think like that's a great way for him to end it if he does win. Now, if he loses this one. I think you're going to have to have him go up for it again. Uh, yeah. You, you, he's going to have to try the challenge again, just for his legacy wise, try to get the, and, that, and then he can retire again after that. I mean, it's only, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I just, now I want to ask you though, cause I said, you know, could be my retire might not, who knows if Gates G wins though, who do you think is going to be the next competitor for the belt? Now that is where it gets spicy. Exactly. Cause so. I mean, it could be Tony. Right, it could it could be Tony Ferguson going for rematch. Now, that might probably wouldn't happen for a little while, so actually, yeah. probably not him. But yeah. I mean, you could get they could give Connor a shot. You never know, because mm. Con- Connor just brings in the money. That's literally I yeah, yeah, so, better, yeah, but he brings in the money. And Gaethje, I feel like already has somewhat of a little bit of beef. He doesn't like Conor McGregor, so I yeah, feel like yeah. that's just a, a ticket right there. I, yeah, Poirier, to- yeah. You always have Poirier. You could always have Hooker. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, Again, with that lightweight division, whenever you have a new challenger come up, it's always so interesting because of all those potential matchups. Because, like, feasibly any guy in the top five can beat each other. Right. And even that division as well, it's just, like, every ranking matters in that division. So if Gaethje wins and, and just say, okay, like, you know, Habib doesn't get immediate title, you know, title shot or maybe he just retires after it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that for interim title – that we could throw up Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier. I am fantasizing about that matchup so much. <laughs> that was supposed to be on 254, actually. Uh, oh, the real? fight was offered, but, uh, you know, sadly, they didn't come to terms with Dustin and all that contract stuff. And I, 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 I take it as a good thing, though, because that saves that for a further date where that can be a five-round main event. Because that would be an absolute banger. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, so again, you know, intermatch between those two guys. Uh, I also think as well. There's other super exciting underrated fighters in that lightweight division. Uh, with Charles Oliveira, Charles Do- Dos Bronx. I freaking love that dude. He is so underrated. World class Brazilian. He literally is like the Brazilian Tony Ferguson. Uh, World class. BJJ like not for MMA but like actual like he wins like world championships for grappling and all that like he's so good right his striking and boxing as well has become so refined that I mean in that Kevin Lee fight recently he looked very very good and against a much heavier opponent in Kevin Lee who like missed weight as well mm-hmm. I think as well that Charles Oliveira with that striking and that grappling pedigree that that could throw some issues for Habib but again, we need to see uh, Charlie keep moving up the rankings. He's the only number I want to say six or five right now. And I think he's he's got to be six because for some reason they put Dan Hooker over McGregor, even though he lost his last fight. Dan Hooker yeah. got put over. So it's like I think right now Khabib obviously champ. Gaethje's one, two, is Tony two is maybe. Poirier. Poirier three is Tony, four is Hooker, five is Connor. So six yeah. must be. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also think uh, – I, I mean, yeah, I definitely think that Charles Oliveira is a very right. much so dark horse threat uh, to Habib. And then other people in that division, I mean, again, Dana is always looking for that money fight with Conor. Exactly. Because, uh, again, like, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, say what you will about him, he does bring in a lot of money. Yeah. to the ufc I, I mean again that that habib versus uh connor card i believe that had over i want to say two million or three million buys which is like insane yeah i think i think you're right on that i think it's one of the like one of their highest grossing ones i think oh yeah because it, it was his return it was re- his return after the mayweather thing yeah exactly and all that and all that history and stuff like that i mean it was such it was just such a crazy match you know so much history to it and uh, beef with that, that, you know, that was going to be a massive selling card. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, McGregor can always be in the fold. I would really, I would look for him to try to get a, another match. Like there is, they were actually talking about potential between Poirier versus McGregor. Yeah. You want to, you want to segue into that right now? We could do that. Yeah, yeah. We could segue into that. Yeah. Let's talk about yep. that. Cause I know they were talking, like Dana said, he, he already reached out to Connor and uh, Dustin's team about getting a fight together. Yeah, definitely. That now that would be super fun. I remember, uh, you know, talking to one of our friends that we know, and I was saying for McGregor, I would love that lit. I think that's perfect because it's a litmus test. You know what I yeah. mean for McGregor? Because again, uh, <laughs> okay, Stephen <laughs> Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Let me tell you, not exactly renowned for his MMA. Yeah. Oh takes. my God, his MMA uh, takes are pretty concerning sometimes. Oh, or yeah, that. his or his. Do you ever see that boxing video of him where he's literally just hitting the dick of a guy? Like he has like his, he has like the tie, like the mitt all the way down. <laughs> no, I've never it's, seen that. So it's so funny. I gotta see um, that. With, but I, I will say with Stephen A. Smith is that I do sort of agree that. We, you know, even after the Cowboy win, we still don't know too much about McGregor. Uh-huh, me, I agree. Now, don't get me wrong. Donald Cerrone, that, you know, fantastic fighter. Uh, I mean, he's one of the busiest men in the UFC. He'll fight like four times a year. It's actually, know. I actually don't know how he's still fighting. Because like oh, he's a little yeah. washed, he's getting old, but like, dude, yeah, he fights it, like it, all it, the time. Do you want know what, what's crazy? Is that is that three fight uh, thing that he... That three-fight trail that he had where he fought Justin Gaethje, got finished in the first round, then fought Tony Ferguson, then fought Conor McGregor, all TKOs. Insane. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, again, is that we, we know, you know, we know this before is that Donald Cerrone, we've seen this in his fights, is that he notoriously struggles with southpaw boxers and with those kind of pressures as well because he is – Donald Cerrone is a very good technician, but he's a slow fighter. He needs time to start. And again, when he fought, you know, those kind of guys out the gate, he was going to struggle with them. So I think again, with McGregor is that we still don't know too much about him. And I don't think that welterweight is the division that he really is going to fight the best at. Yeah, no, I can kind of agree with that actually. Cause like we saw him in Khabib and he looked pretty good in Khabib when he fought him. I mean, obviously he did lose that fight and he had a rough time on the ground, but like I yeah. said earlier, we were talking about uh, Khabib and Connor. I thought he did decent. And when it came to stand up, I thought he held his own, and I thought he did pretty well. I think if the fight stayed stand up, Connor might have been able to win, just because yeah. of how talented he is as a striker. Like, he's yeah, incredible. but it's it, it's it you know it's it's definitely called mixed martial arts for a reason. You know exactly. I mean? No, 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 no. One hundred percent. You're right. I agree with that. He's got to know how to do better on the ground. He's that's still yeah. like his biggest weakness. But when it came to the Cerrone thing, I mean, I thought from the beginning 
that the Cerrone thing was kind of like Connor dipping his feet back in the water, building some confidence. So part of me yeah. thought it was smart because it let him build his confidence and get back to the UFC because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he did the Mayweather thing, lost to Khabib. And it was kind of, you know, people were questioning what's going on. So I think the Cerrone yeah. thing was good in a sense that it got him a win, built his confidence, got him back in a groove maybe for the UFC. Yeah. But at the same time, he's fighting a guy that's kind of washed, you know? Mm-hmm. He's fighting a guy that Cerrone's just not as good as he used to be anymore. And like you said, Cerrone yeah. struggles against Southpaw fighters, especially early. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was kind of a fight that I thought was smart for Connor, but it was also concerning because I wish he fought somebody that was a little bit more talented. Yeah. Uh, at, or someone that was a little bit more of a challenge than Cerrone. I don't mm. want to say talented because Cerrone's goat, but I wish mm. he fought someone yeah, that was a little I remember, bit more I remember, uh, yeah. I, I remember with the whole McGregor Twitter spat yeah. that he said that uh, – I remember as well around that time that they said they were trying to make Gaethje versus McGregor, which that would have been a really fun match. That would have been great, yeah. Uh, but we have this potential right here of McGregor versus Poirier, and I remember talking to one of our mutual friends – and that was the fight that I would like to see if McGregor comes back to lightweight. Uh, I, I think, again, great litmus test to see. Because, again, McGregor still has that top five ranking, which, again, in my opinion, is somewhat disputable because he hasn't really fought there in a while. Yeah. And I think that with Poirier, again, is that you have the history behind it as well. You know, they fought both earlier in their career. It, it's so interesting to think. They both fought at 145 at featherweight. Uh you know, McGregor was going on his hype train. Dustin Poirier uh, had that knockout, you know, that TKO loss to McGregor. And just seeing how their careers unfolded where McGregor, you know, became the 145 champ then went to lightweight. And then you see Dustin Poirier, how he just worked his way up. I mean, went through absolute killers in, you know, mm-hmm. finishing Gaethje, finishing Eddie Alvarez. I mean, you know, I think there's so much – so much to sell right there. You know what I mean? For a fight. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I mean, I would love, cause it, you know, like you said, you know, it's a rematch. They're coming back. I would yep. love to see that. I think that would be, and I think that's the perfect fight for both of them. Cause I think whoever wins that does deserve a title shot. If one mm-hmm. of them could be the other one, I think it's legitimately perfect. So I would love to see that. And then the winner of that go for a title, but yeah, I agree. And also Connor's got some weird stuff going on right now too. I just want to mention like, there was yeah. he, he said he was doing like the Pacquiao thing. That was stupid. I don't even know if that's gonna happen. I don't know if it's on the oh, table. Oh yeah, he was joking. I, yeah. Because like that's such a waste of time. Like don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, like, Pacquiao's yeah. like one of the best boxers of all time. Like he's so good. Yeah. It's just he's old now. There's no point of this. Yeah. There's no point of this fight. It's not doing anything. I'd rather see Conor in the octagon trying to work his way back up the ranks and go for a belt again. Then I, yeah, I want to see him in, in a ring. Come on, like you're not gonna do anything. Yeah, you're not gonna it, prove it, anything it, against it, an old washed up Pacquiao. Yeah, exactly. Um. You know, I, I think that with McGregor, when, you know, when we saw him going to that, you know, going for that 145 strap and that lightweight right. strap, you know, just how focused, how lasered in he was with, you know, going in, trying to win those titles and was just an absolute man on a mission, almost like something out of a movie. You know what I mean? Right, right. And just to see him now where it's, you know, those kind those, those money fights or those boxing fights, because uh, again, like, he hasn't fought too much in these past couple of years and in, in, in MMA to, you know, defend his titles that he's had uh, or to cement his legacy, which, you know, kind of stinks. Cause he, uh, you know, everyone can have their opinion on it, but he's a super, super entertaining and skilled fighter to watch, you know? 
No, yeah, no, I agree. And I think the thing that sucks the most about this is that, you know, he's doing these fights like the Mayweather one. I mean, before mm. the May, before the Khabib fight, when the whole Mayweather thing happened, wasn't he gone for like a, a good year and a half, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And With- I mean, and then like now, if he, let's say he doesn't do this poor year thing and he does the Pacquiao thing instead, mm. and it's just for money, like he's taken away a good couple, a good chunk of years away from his career in the UFC that could have been yeah. spent cementing his legacy there. Where like now, I think he's only hurting his legs. Like the Floyd, the Floyd Mayweather thing is cool, and I thought that was yeah, yeah. kind of smart because if he did beat Floyd Mayweather, you know, get that one, make Floyd have that one loss, that would have been like absolutely it's, unprecedented. It's, see, but the Pacquiao thing, there's no point of it, and I'd yeah, rather yeah. him get back and work on his legacy again. Now, yeah. I ha- I will say, I will say, he did post a little while ago that he was going to retire. I think something stupid like that, like oh like yeah, quarantine, well, with, and you know, you know, that's not true though. You know, it's like yeah, college, yeah, exactly. Trying try to build hype it, and shit. Yeah, exactly. And the biggest sell for that was because I remember uh, he got tested by USADA on his yacht, and that that's like because a guy a guy is never retired per se until they're out of the USADA testing pool because it takes them six months to enter back into that right. and all these like testing things. So he never was truly retired per se. Um, I I, I mean. I just feel like his mind is just is again like going all over the place right now. Yeah, I will say uh, that my point that I was getting mm-hmm. to before that I was going to say was I've been like keeping up with his Instagram a little bit lately, yeah. and he seemed a little bit more focused. Like before that, it was a lot of posts where it's all over the place, you know, posting this, posting that. Yeah, he's been posting a lot of pictures of him back in the gym, though. He cut his hair, he shaved his beard off, I think. He hopefully, I'm hoping he's getting a little bit more locked in because you know. Mm-hmm. He used to post stuff like all the time. I mean, something I didn't like though too is like he did call out like Dana White because he wanted to do the Diego Sanchez fight, which you know we, we were talking about this earlier on yeah. before the show, and you know Dana was like, if I if I do that fight, then I should have my promotion license like stripped or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, which is completely true. Like that's a terrible yeah. fight to set up. But yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, I hope I hope Connors gets locked in because like that was stupid, and you know the whole. Um, the I think he made a post to the other day about the Mayweather fight. Like, dude, nobody really cares about this Mayweather fight anymore. You, you got to yeah, stop talking it, about it. See, I, I want to see you a, training. I want to see yeah, you in exactly. the octagon again. I don't want to see you talking about what happened during the Mayweather fight because we all know what happened in the Mayweather fight. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened. I don't need to hear you explain it anymore. That's that's like the funniest thing about Floyd Mayweather is uh, a big reason why he's so sellable. Because yeah. I mean, Floyd Mayweather Floyd Mayweather has such a great uh, management and marketing team. Floyd Mayweather like has the ability to look both beatable. Uh, he's like unbeatable to like people who like actually watch boxing and technicians, but to the general masses, like he always looks like beatable. Mm -hmm. And I think like everyone just wants to see him lose like that, especially like his man and his management as well, as well, like always being able to market the fight from both ways, like seeing Floyd Mayweather fight again as a technician, but also could Floyd Mayweather lose his uh, illustrious zero at the end of his record? And it's just such a sell for both ways. Cause that's what makes yeah. a superstar is when someone can sell not only to their audience, people who like to watch them, but also sell to people who do not like them and want them to lose. Yeah, for sure. That's actually a great point. Yeah. That's a great analysis. Yeah. He's, he's good at, he's good at like 
making you know technicians and like you said diehard boxing fans realize that this guy probably is not going to lose but making the average fan hate him and want to see him lose and that just literally yeah. just sells more tickets like that's part of the reason why i watched the mcgregor thing i'm not a big Floyd mayweather fan mm-hmm. um especially after the the mayweather pacquiao fight because like mayweather just runs around the ring i think sometimes i think it's when yeah. he gets pacquiao but that's what made me want to buy because i want to see connor win mm-hmm. obviously that didn't happen but yeah no you're completely right it's just great strategy it's a great strategy from him yeah so i mean uh I, I think that'd be a very interesting match if we try to get uh, Dustin versus yeah. McGregor. You know, again, like I said before, I think mm-hmm. it's a very good uh, bout for both guys, especially yeah. with uh, Dustin, you know, talking about his contract and the pay, you know, give him a good money fight like that. And he gets a, you know, definitely a good opponent. I, again, I, I think that's a very fun one. Uh, both very, very good strikers. So, you know, hopefully again, they make that matchup or Poirier versus Ferguson. I mean, again, lightweight division, that's, why it's one of my favorites. There's just so many interesting matchups you can make in there. Yeah, it's a, it's such a good division. And yeah, mm-hmm. I hope I hope I want to see Connor get back because I think like he just makes UFC so mm-hmm. so fun. Um, whether he whether he wins or loses, it's fun. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Even Poirier Ferguson because Ferguson's so fun to watch too. He's such a good personality, oh, yeah. you know. But I want to bounce back real quick to uh, mm-hmm. 254. Talk about yep. another fight in the card being Whitaker versus uh, Cannoneer. Oh. I want to know what I want to know what you think about that because you were saying you love you love Whitaker, but you were hyping yeah. Cannoneer up a lot. And I want to know what first of all what your take is on that fight, how you feeling okay. about it. But I want to know if Cannoneer wins. We we talked about the Izzy thing. Do you think they're going to yep. put him up against Izzy because Izzy's Izzy called him out and he was like, yeah, Cannoneer's the one who I think he was like. I actually thought his message was cool because I think Adesanya mm-hmm. said something like, Cannoneer, you prove yourself, beat Whitaker, then I'm gonna give you a shot. I thought that was cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, tell tell me your whole take on all that stuff. All right, so Rob. All right, so Bobby Knuckles versus the the Killer Gorilla. Yeah, I mean this. In my opinion, I think this could be fight of the night. This is uh such an entertain. This is such an entertaining one. You think it's so, gonna be? Whoa, 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 whoa! Fight of the night. Over yes, sir. Gaethje? Woo! That's that's a claim. Okay, I'm gonna hold you to that because that's that's actually okay. such a bold claim. That's such a hot take. That's such a Stephen mm-hmm. A take. That reminds me of like when um, freaking Max Kellerman was like, "If I got one person to take a shot with the aliens pointing the death lasers to planet, I'm taking Andre Iguodala." That that's essentially what you just pulled there, Dan. That that was the Andre Iguodala right there. But no, I oh, I, I do agree with you. I think it's gonna be a great fight. Mm-hmm. But I think it could be Gaethje. I don't know. But explain to me. Explain me your reasoning. Okay. So. With Rob versus Jared Cannonier. So let's, let's examine both the career paths of these guys, right? Okay, so Robert Whitaker, as we know, former UFC champion. Now, originally fought at welterweight, actually, and then moved up to middleweight and was able to carry over that speed, that illustrious speed that he had at welterweight. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. again, that, that's always the kind of dynamics when a guy changes weights. If he goes down in weight, uh, people are like, oh, well, he'll carry the power with him. But then he could be slower. And then if he goes up a division, then it's like, oh, well, he'll carry the speed, but I don't know if he'll, it'll carry the power, and I don't know how he'll deal with guys who hit harder there and are right. stronger. But Robert, I mean, completely proved all that wrong because that dude has insane five-round cardio is like is like the energizer buzz like bunny how like hoppy he is on his feet mm-hmm. and legitimately has like knockout power so with whitaker he 
was able to go I, I think interesting thing to key up on this is his fights of Yoel Romero, right? Because he lasted ten rounds of Yoel Romero and took absolute bombs from him. Yeah. He knows how to get into those gritty fights against guys who are super explosive and hit like a Mack truck. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that 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 loss against Izzy was definitely a tough one, but he bounced back in a good way against a good way against Darren Till. Who Darren Till as well, you know, people forget, you know, very, very solid fighter. He's still very young. I mean, even Jorge Masvidal, who knocked out Darren Till, yeah, he said Darren was the hardest hitter he ever fought against. And Rob, he actually had trouble in the first round. He got knocked down, but he was able to survive that and dominate the rest of the fight. So I think that Rob, he very much so brings that speed to this fight. And then we look at Jared mm-hmm. Cannonier. Jared Cannonier, as I said before, this guy fought at heavyweight and knocked people out, went to light heavyweight, and then went to middleweight, where he's found his most success. This man has ridiculous power. And I think that he has very nice striking def- his very nice striking defense as well to couple with that power and his offense that he has. Now with Cannoneer, though, something mm. I will bring up to question is, again, I, I, I hate being that kind of guy who asks, like, oh, competition, stuff like that. Right. But if you look at Cannoneer's last couple fights, because, I mean, again, some people are hyping this up where, you know, Rob, because they saw how he got knocked out against Izzy, and they saw he got knocked down by Till, and they're like, oh, Rob is going to get knocked out by this guy because this guy is, like, the hardest hitter out of, every, out of all of those ones. Mm. But – you look at Cannoneer's record of his, you know, past few bouts in the middleweight division, and he's last fought Jack Hermanson, who Jack Hermanson is a top five middleweight, very, very good fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anderson Silva, you know, who is like 45, mm-hmm. and he kicked him in the leg that he snapped against Chris Weidman, mm. you know, and then yeah. against David Branch, who's like, okay you know yeah right i believe i want to say that he might be retired from the ufc i'm not sure i don't know or he's out but i trust you though i trust you yeah yeah. with with cannoneer again it's it's definitely a huge step up in competition i think people are forgetting it with robert whitaker is that robert whitaker has that crazy blitzing when we saw him fight israel anasaya uh, that was very different from how he usually fights because, again, he was really trying to punch up at Izzy's head. First of right. all, he was, like, head hunting, And secondly, the reach disadvantage, he was really trying to reach for yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, with Whitaker, I believe that he brings such a pace and such great footwork and elusiveness that it could be very hard for Cannoneer to deal with. But, again, Cannoneer has that puncher's chance and that, you know, again el- – just insane knockout power that can floor a guy at any round. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, right. I, I think that I think it's a super interesting fight because again, as much as I love Robert Whitaker, and there are some questions about the competition that Canyons fought. You know, uh, again, it's it's just so interesting because you have a guy who can put him away so easily at any time in Canyonier, but then you have a guy like Whitaker who's a proven commodity, yeah, and is very much so a technician. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, because I, I just hearing what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense. Because I don't know a whole lot about uh, Cannoneer. I know Whitaker mm. 
really great, but you know, had some trouble recently. Cannonier, I don't know a whole lot about, but that, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like to me is, is a really great matchup because Cannonier, like you said, throws bombs, but Whitaker is built to take bombs a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that makes it super interesting. Also, both the fact that there's so many question marks around these guys is really exciting too, because it, it's just so many different factors that are in this fight now. Um, it sounds really interesting. I'm excited. And I actually, you know what, Dan, I want to ask you a quick question, actually technical yeah, question that I had about uh, something that Adesanya was saying. And I wonder if you can explain it to me. If not, it's fine. But yeah, go for it. Adesanya was saying post-fight, and it, it, this is kind of related to the Cannoneer thing, but kind of like something else that I actually wanted to know about. Yeah, go for it. Cannoneer, uh, I'm sorry, Adesanya was saying post-fight, the reason he wanted Cannoneer is because he was saying something where it had to do with, I think, weight, or he was saying that like uh, players have like, too long or they no players should have a longer time when it comes to cutting weight or something oh, yeah. like that you know what i'm talking about when he was saying like okay, 90 yeah, so, minutes or 90 hours or something he was saying like that you, can, you, can so you explain with, to me because i actually want to know so yeah with what israel said about the 90 percent thing uh it was actually about the fight purse about missing weight so i mean it's kind of a weird point because mm-hmm. uh i mean don't get me wrong you know, when you're fighting in this sport, you know, you're a professional, you sign the contract at a given weight, you have to make the weight. You knew full well going into the bout, you're going to have to make that weight. Uh, sometimes for some guys, it's they don't have to eat breakfast in the morning. Other guys, it's like sauna suit the entire, like the entire week yeah. uh, trying to do like a massive water cut, but you have to make weight. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there was a couple like weird weight misses. Like there was this one guy, uh, he had 90 minutes for the weigh-in. He literally just stepped on the scale at like four to five pounds. Like these guys like weigh themselves before they step on the scale. Like he didn't even try. <laughs> I, I mean, like that's so unprofessional looking. Cause I mean, all right. Like you, you cannot cut like four or five pounds in like 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can cut a pound. It's like tough as hell, but you can do it. Uh, but like four or five pounds, like that obviously show even before, like he didn't even give a fuck about yeah. the fight. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it, it sucks. Like, I, and he was clapping too, which I don't get. It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so stupid. Um, but at the same time, like, there's also guys who uh, genuinely at time, like, all right. 30% that's still like a decent amount of your money. That's a third. That's almost a third of your fight purse gone. Mm-hmm. You can't win a fight of the night bonus. Uh, like my boy, Benil Dariush, uh, another really underrated lightweight. Um, he had this amazing spinning back fist knockout of this. I forget who he was fighting, uh, but it was like last month. Mm-hmm. And he has this amazing spinning back fist knockout but he missed weight, which is very surprising because I don't think he's ever missed weight before. Right. But missed weight, and he would have won that like fifty thousand dollar fight of the night bonus. That Fuck. like that's that's already like punishment enough. Damn yeah. Along with the thirty percent of his fight purse. Yeah, that's taken rough. Away. That sucks. I because again, these these camps are expensive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's not like they get a hundred. You you get a hundred percent of the earnings. You know you have to pay the camp. That's like a couple G's. You have to pay. 
you know, your manager and all that. Then you have to take taxes and all that. So I think like 90%, like you literally are losing money to fight. At that point, a guy would be like, why the F am I even fighting right now? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. I'm, thank you for explaining it to me because I was pretty confused why Adesanya even brought that up. I was like, what is, like, what is he trying to, what's his point here? I thought it had yeah, something exactly. to do with weight, but I was a little confused. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. But Dan, I think that yeah. that's pretty much the end of what we were, what we were set out to talk about today. Um, oh man, we, we covered did a whole that. lot. We did that, and even more than I expected, Connor. This is just, this is just. I mean, has this been a life like changing experience? This is been... like a, this is like a dream actualized into reality. I mean, this mm. is just, this is just something special. That that, that means feel so much a certain me. way. My cheeks are blushing like the red rosy sky of a June night driving over the seaside bridge. You oh, making me feel some kind of way right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what, Dan, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to bed tonight thinking about driving over that seaside bridge with you. I'll tell you what, you just made my night. So I appreciate that. Hey. Nice little reference there. Hey, and you know, you know, what we'd be driving too, right? Drive to get some, some freaking seaside Tonys. Hey, can I get hey, a uh, seaside Tony with my coffee? Hey, seaside Tony. Hey, Hey, Gabagool in my right middle-aged Italian man jokes. Hey, laugh. Hey, I, I, I do. I swear. It's like Italian Facebook, like middle-aged Italian Facebook is probably one of like the most like cringe, funny things I've ever seen. Oh, 100%. Like the Jersey loud. 100 the Jersey loud. Like yeah, literally 100%. like all their posts are like back in my day or like only things that Italian American like. Yeah. Understand. Like we don't. We don't, we don't call it sauce. We call it gravy. Get the difference. <laughs> it's like, it's like Sopranos face, memes. It's just an endless flow of Sopranos memes. Hey, Tony Soprano. You remember that 15 years ago? One hundred percent. Well, Dan, thank you. You just made my night. Um, thank you for joining me. I look yes, forward. Sir. You might have to, you might have to come on here again. Are you okay with that? Um, surely I would be down. I am totes for moats game. Sounds good. We could talk UFC. Maybe we can even talk a little, uh, a little football at some point too. If you're, oh, you're down for that, that might be interesting. About, talk about, Ooh, talk about the pigskin. Talk oh, hey, about hey, pigskin. Hey. Oh, oh, I know where this is going. Go ahead. Have fun with it. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, Johnny, how about we throw around the pigskin? <laughs> All right, Danny. <laughs> Dan, yeah, I think I think that, if we do do one on football, I think we're gonna have to ask Tommy Rizzo to be on. I'm gonna reach out. To right, him. That that is literally how Thomas Jefferson like envisioned football when he invented it. it was like two <laughs> two dudes just being guys on top of a roof, just throwing it between or, each other, or, or a couple guys being dudes, you know, before a wedding in an alleyway in full tuxedos, just throwing a pigskin around. You know what I'm saying? That's the way exactly. football's meant to be played. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. Uh, yeah, that, was the that, that literally, yeah. That's playing football with the boys. Yeah, yeah. That's 100%. playing football with the boys. Do not worry, Danny. Do not Do worry, it. Danny. Don't look into it too much. You might, <laughs> you might be unhappy. <laughs> so funny, classic Tommy Wiseau. Well, Dan, again, thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to next. I, I hope you look forward to your next visit on the couch, because. Uh, peace oh, out, girls. What is this, Bob? Was Bob watching freaking Isle of Dogs falling asleep? I'm not. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I'm on my phone too. So this is almost like this uh, is like Bob at the movies falling asleep on his phone. Yeah. 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 Wow. All right, Dan. Thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate it. All right. Peace out, Girl Scout. I hope the rest of your night is the best of your night. And will you too? That was a uh, very informative, right? Dan always got the good stuff. Always got the good takes. Whether it comes to football. Whether it comes to uh, health, fitness, that kind of thing. And in the UFC, obviously, as you see. So, yeah, so grateful for him to coming on. 
that was a lot of fun. I hope we get him on here again. I love talking to UFC. It's a sport I'm really, really starting to get a lot into. I'm trying to learn as much as I can about it. It's so much fun to watch, so interesting, so technical. It's just a blast, and I absolutely love it. And it only comes around once a month, which is another cool part of it. It's like football, but even longer footballs once a week, you know. UFC's once a month. It's a lot of fun. So, hey, guys, you know, thank you so much again for coming in for another episode of The Couch Coach. I'm having an absolute blast with these, and I think they're getting better as we go. Having some really good guests, you know. Friend Alec, you know, we had Nick on here. Uh, we had now Dan was on here. We had my friend Sean, of course. He's been on here twice. Uh, might have my boy Bob on here to talk MLB playoffs because, man, that's going to be fun. I think we're going to wait, hold off on that one until we get to the World Series because then we can evaluate a lot of teams. We can predict the World Series. That should be a whole lot of fun. So definitely stay tuned for that one too. That one, though, probably won't come for a little while. So, again, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Had an absolute blast. And uh, can't wait to see you again on the couch.